The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Today's reading comes from Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Thus says the word of the Lord. If y'all haven't noticed over the last uh, several weeks, we have a, um, a new worship leader uh, Adriana and I, I mean, could you ask for a better name for a worship leader? Adriana Christmas. I mean, come on. There you go. Um, I want us to uh, pay attention to this video. It's going to tell us a little bit about who she is and what she does in life. Downtown Church. My name is Adriana Christmas. I know you guys have seen me leading you for the past few weeks, but I wanted to formally introduce myself, and I'm just super excited to worship with you guys. Uh, I actually grew up in Gary, Indiana. Uh, I actually came to Memphis for an internship as a part of my grad program, and I just fell in love with the students here. Uh, after four years, I became the director of Saxon Music Academy, so that's what I do during the week. But during the weekend, I get to work with the amazing Downtown Church band to bring you all music and lead you in worship. Uh, just so you know, I want it to be a place where everybody is free so they can just worship God the way they would if they were at home or in their secret closet. Another thing you can look for is some new and creative ways to worship the Lord and also some fun ways uh, to get everybody on their feet, clapping and even dancing. Uh, with that being said, I would love to have a horn section, a string section. If you have any kind of instrument, if you sing, I uh, would love to have you join us in worship. So again, I'm so excited to be a part of Downtown Church. I'm looking forward to getting to know all of you all and just worshiping with you guys and praising our Lord in spirit and in truth. And if you're wondering why why uh, Stax Music Academy logo is in the back, Adriana is the new um, director, executive director of Stax Music Academy. And so she's got a, got a full-time job over there. Uh, actually, the Stax Music Academy Choir is going to be with us at the end of March. And uh, we really hope that um, through Adriana that we're going to develop this pipeline of seeing students uh, come and even seeing some of our students um, get to know Stax Music Academy and uh, possibly attend um, and, and uh, be trained and be a part of that incredible program. So... Adriana, we love you and are so glad you're with us. Um, one more round of applause. Um, and we did not have an official announcement about Flipside this morning, and it's only our second week. So Flipside is happening. And if I could have a parent or staff, I think Kathleen is back there. If, if your child or if you want your child to go to Flipside, if you could go ahead and, and head over to the door now and Kathleen will... Make sure that they get over there. So, all right. Um, last, well, not this weekend. Last weekend, the men of the church went on a men's retreat, and we heard a couple of speakers. Andrew Vincent told his story, uh, but did so much more than that. Uh, he really gave um, a framework for us as men. Um, to really visualize how we can be vulnerable 
and how we can communicate you know, the deeper stuff of what's going on inside of our lives. And then uh, a local counselor in town by the name of uh, Chris Bacari, Bacari um, joined us Saturday morning and gave us even more categories. And um, that brought so much together for me, and I know so many men, that I wanted to revisit it and introduce it to the entire church family. And I know that there's no way in 30 35 minutes that I'm going to be able to do what happened on that retreat, and that's not really my my goal this morning, but there's some categories that help me to go deeper in my sanctification and my repentance, and, um, and, and that was really freeing for me. And so I want to kind of bring that to all of our front door um, this morning. And, and I've chosen this psalm because I really believe that the psalmist is getting after vulnerability. Uh, Rachel and I just added on a couple rooms to our house, and one of the primary reasons that we did that was to give her an art studio for her business. And um, one of the probably most appreciated aspects of that room is the sink. And if you're an artist, you get it immediately. Uh, I had no idea how important a sink was until my wife became an artist and started dominating our kitchen sink and our entire kitchen with paintbrushes and palette knives and, you know, it was just this constant thing. So we were really celebrating this sink in her art studio um, together uh, in one accord. And, um, and yet Monday morning she texted me a picture of um, a pool of water under the sink, under her new sink. And in that moment, it wasn't a big pool. It wasn't like gushing, but it was, a, you know, about that big. And so I, I saw it, and, and at that point I had a choice. I mean, either I can go mop it up and said, oh, just tell me when it, you know, kind of accumulates a little bit more, and I'll come and mop it up a little more. I mean, either I could go through that, which some of us men, uh, that is our strategy of home improvement, uh, just kind of maintaining, um, wiping up the mess, not necessarily getting to the root of the mess. Um, but I didn't decide to do that. I decided to call the plumber back and say, hey, it's, it's leaking. I decided to go to the root of the problem. Uh, because if I didn't do that, if I just mopping it up doesn't address the problem. And I thought about that a lot throughout that day and um, the next few days as I was working on this sermon and thinking about Psalm 139 and thinking about my own life in reflection, uh, you know, past to our, to our men's retreat. And I realized that, to be honest with you, much of my repentance, and I think much of our repentance in the church, can be more described by just mopping up than getting to the root. And when you don't get to the root, you keep doing the same thing over and over and over. But Jesus has come to give us transformational life. He's come to change us. And I really believe that the psalmist in Psalm 139, what he's expressing is this whole desire to stop just mopping up the mess and for God to get deep in his heart and let's stop playing games and let's get to what my real issues are in life. The psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my mind or anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way or grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He's saying, let's get down to the root. Let's get down 
to the bottom. And yet if you read the entire chapter, which we did not do this morning, you, you, you understand that these verses seem completely out of place. The first verse of uh, Psalm 139 is, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. And then he just kind of goes on where it just almost gets tiring. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. And then he just keeps going. If I go to the depths, you were there. If I go to the heights, you were there. If I, you form me in your uh, womb, I was fearfully and wonderfully. I mean, just on and on and on and on. And he gets to the end and he ends it by saying, search me, O God, and know my heart. And you're like, what? He already knows your heart. Why are you telling him to search you? See, what the psalmist is doing is he's saying, search me so that I can see me. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. And then it asks this question, who can understand it? Friends, your sin and my sin is so deceptive that it takes a lifetime and it takes utter vulnerability and it takes crying. It takes the God of heaven and earth to come into your life to give you vision and understanding of who you are and why you do what you do. The heart is deceitful. We, I think of Romans 7. Paul says, man, I wake up in the morning and the very thing I want to do, I wake up and I have all these ambitions. I want to do right. I want to please God. But I find that the very thing I want to do, I don't do. But what I end up doing is the very thing that I said I wasn't going to do. Can you relate to that? Yes, we can all relate to that. And so the heart is deceitful. It's desperately sick. Who can understand it? Then in verse 10, Jeremiah answers the question. I, or the Lord answers the question. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Only God can get to the root of our sickness, which is our heart and our sin. You cannot do this alone. You, we need more than counseling. We need more than conversation with brothers and sisters, though that is extremely helpful and we can't change without our community. But we need the Spirit of God to come in and to give us understanding of who we are and why we do what we do. And this is both discouraging and very encouraging. It's discouraging because... All of us, I think, have felt that helplessness of, I don't understand me either. You know, we commit the same sin and, 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 and we feel bad. You know, we've hurt those that we love the same exact way and we just feel like scum. And we're like, God, we, you know, we've cried out to God, but we haven't gotten beyond just feeling bad. So it's discouraging that we need God, but it's highly encouraging because God is available. Jesus said this in Mark 2. He said, he said the healthy don't need a doctor. All right? Only the sick need a doctor. And then he said this, I have not come for the righteous, but sinners. He has come for you and me. So the question before us this morning is, 
Who is sick and tired of just playing games and mopping up the same old mess? Who is sick and tired of that? Who wants to do some deeper work? Who wants God to come in and bring transformation? It may be, I think in rare circumstances, I've seen it. I've seen God deliver people from a specific bondage to a specific sin. But most of the time, God comes in and brings illumination, allows us to see us, and then we can then share with others how we need help, go to God specifically, and say, God, let's go to work on me. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to do some work. And the reason I want us to do some work is because if you're not willing to do real repentance, you can hear a thousand sermons, but don't expect for there to be much change. You might get, you might get emotionally moved. You might get maybe a tear in your eye. You might get a little frustrated at your sin and more resolved to, like, tackle it. But you're not going to experience deep transformation. Only vulnerability that comes from deep honesty or honesty that produces deep vulnerability is going to bring lasting transformation through the gospel. So let's pray, and then I want us to go to work. Father, we need you this morning. Father, you know my heart. You know that I don't want to stand up here and preach another sermon just to preach another sermon. I don't need to hear myself talk. I've got enough garbage in my own heart and life to deal with. But God, I believe that your word is true. And I believe that your spirit is power. And I believe that your gospel is the power to transform and change us from where we are right now to where you would have us be. And so come by your spirit and open our hearts. Do your work in this place this morning. Oh God, inhabit us with such power that we would have the boldness to see the wounds of our hearts and lives, to discern the false messages that have been implanted in our hearts that have become our identity, our motto, our anthem that is completely opposed to what you say about us and completely opposed to the gospel itself. Oh God, would you come? I need you. Make sense out of this this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we need to see is that transformation begins by identifying the wounds of your heart. I was on the stage Wednesday night in front of a group of, a very diverse group of African-American pastors and white pastors in our city, probably 60 to 80. And I was introduced as the host for that night. We had a worship service here. And, And as I was anticipating coming up before this body as the pastor, the lead pastor who is worshiping and leading the church in Claiborne Temple, with all the history of this place, I want you to know that I felt extremely vulnerable. Thoughts kept coming and shooting into my mind. You don't deserve to be introduced as the pastor of the church that meets in the historic Claiborne Temple. I mean, what are my African-American brothers and sisters going to think of me? 
I just, I was expecting judgment. I was expecting almost a revolt. What's this white guy doing up here in Clavering Temple? I mean, literally, this, this is what was going on in my heart and mind. And yet, the way that I dealt with it was I didn't make eye contact with people. And, um, um, and, and when I came down and somebody was coming up to me, I would crack a joke or I would ask something about them to, to ensure that I didn't get any judgment, not to give anybody around me the ability to judge me or criticize me. And the reason I didn't make eye contact is because I didn't want to see any condemning looks because I'm the king of condemning looks. And I know that eyes can judge uh, probably better than words at times. Now, this is not sin in and of itself, but if I don't go deeper than what I just profess to you or confess to you, um, then in essence, I could get some techniques of how to look, you know, you've heard them. Just imagine people are naked, you know, do, do all these different things, you know, to, to help you get over your fear. But it's more than fear. Wednesday night, it was much more than fear. What I was assuming was that if I don't get the affirmation of my brothers and sisters, then I'm going to feel worthless. And I'm going to feel as if I am worthless. And so I've got to go to the root of my heart and realize that all of that was laced with sin because, precisely because, I'm not believing that Jesus is enough. And I am believing that I have to have the affirmation of those that were going to be um, in this place, those ministers. You see, as I began to think about that, And think about how my fear of rejection in that moment negates the essence of why Jesus came. I began to just smell the pride and the arrogance. I felt, I put myself in Jesus' shoes and said, what if I had lived and died and what if I were God and I came and I gave my, I mean, can you see it? What am I communicating to my Savior? What is my fear doing to Him? And communicating to Him. You see, it's not sin not to make eye contact. It's not sin to to be funny. It's not sin to ask someone how they're doing. But it is the root of the motive that is the sin. And friends, that's me. That's not just something I do. That's who I am. My heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? It's sick, desperately sick. And yet, what is the root of it all? See, I need to get to the root. Why do I need to get to the root? Uh, Because if I don't, then I'm just, I can make some, you know, fancy observations. I I can make some conclusions, but I'm never really going to get down to real change. And so, last week at the retreat, uh, I learned a technique that I thought was really good. And that was to look at a number of pictures and to identify two things. The first, to identify 
the image that we want to portray to others, and then secondly, the image that we are desperately trying for others not to see that is the real us. And so what we did last Friday night or Friday night a week ago is we laid out a bunch of pictures and we got to choose the picture that described the image that we want others to see us as. So show my image. There we go, baby. That's the first picture that I saw that I was like, yep, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that picture just screams invincibility. I'm the champion. Nobody's going to knock me out. I've got complete control. Nobody can impact me. Nothing wrong with that. Invincibility. I mean, you need that as a leader. Uh, You you hope that you're not wishy-washy and, you know, easily moved off course, right? But then I had to pick the picture that I didn't want anybody to see that was really what drives me. And let's see that picture. Now, I'm the little boy. There you have it. What I'm hearing, what that picture meant to me was, you're worthless. You're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. You don't measure up. Go to your room. Get out of my face. Get out of my presence. I don't even... Not so funny, right? But can you see how these two pictures feed into themselves? I mean, we can go right now and say, okay, so, so what happened to me? Why would, I, why would that be the real Richard behind this image that I want you to, to buy into? Why, why, what is it about that? And I just started thinking about it. And I'm sure it is a whole, I mean, I'm just beginning to see the tiniest little bit of it. But a big part of it has to be when my father put me in his lap when I was in the fourth grade and said, I'm leaving the home. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And as I started looking back at that, I mean, what, you know, some kids might like, I don't know, like crumble and and go to the room and isolate themselves. No, I started to be funny. I got in trouble at school because I became the class clown. I was the teacher's nightmare. Because this little boy is starving for somebody to laugh at him. To acknowledge that he is worthy to be laughed, that he's funny, that he's not those voices that that have been portrayed to him. Wow. Dan Allender said this. He said, the work of restoration cannot begin until a problem is fully faced. So here's what I want us to do. Some of you may, you know, here's the people that have the hardest time understanding this. It's the people that have never had real brokenness in their lives yet. And so they say, man, I had great parents and I, you know, I did great in school and all that. I'm glad. So maybe the message you heard was we are better than everyone else because we work the hardest and we are the smartest. And so in your mind, you have to work the hardest and you have to be the smartest. And your insecurity is making a B. 
man, if that were my insecurity, I would just be gone, okay? <laughs> I was hoping for bees in school, but, um, but, you, but you get it, right? You're, the, the wounds that we have could be messages of superiority. It, it could be your athletic ability, and you're an incredible athlete, but what happens if that goes? And what happens if you get cut from the team? What happens if you lose your job? What happens if someone outperforms you in the classroom? So what I want to do the next couple minutes, uh, put the collage of pictures that, that could potentially... All right, I want you to choose one of the images that most accurately portrays the image that you want others to believe about you and really that you are believing about you. So let's take a couple of minutes and do that right now. Let's go now to the next group of images. What is the image that is the real you? The image that you don't want anybody to really see. The part of you that closely identifies how you often feel on the inside, but you don't let others know. Or depicts what you're most afraid of feeling like and don't want others to see.
All right, you can uh, leave those images up there, but if you'll just cut the music. Um, the second thing that we need to see is that transformation demands we identify as the ways in which we protect our wounds. Uh, we're all wounded because we live in a fallen world. And it's not just what happens to us, but it's how we interpret what happens to us. It's like if, if we cut our finger, what do we do? The first thing we do is we protect it. If we break a bone, we immediately protect it. If somebody tries to get close, I mean, we're doing this, okay? Uh, Chris Bacari calls this reaction to our, our wounded self as the gorilla self. And so he actually put up chairs, and he had the wounded self here, the healthy self here, which we're going to look at last, and then the gorilla self over here. Now, why did he say gorilla self? Because gorillas protect. Uh, gorillas protect their babies ferocious. I mean, they are ferocious. You try to get next to a, uh, you try to take a baby away from a gorilla, and you're going to get hurt. You're at least going to get a growl. All right? You're going to get the message, don't you go there. So you, do you begin to see how your gorilla self comes out, and you don't even realize that you're protecting something. You just think, it's just a reaction. I remember one time I was driving, and I had this—I had this guy cut me off in a roundabout in Colorado, and and I pulled up around him like a complete maniac, and the guy flipped me off, and he's like—and I'm like wanting to stop him and fight him. That would look good, wouldn't it? Uh, Muhammad Ali. I didn't even think about that. There we go. I'm Muhammad Ali. Uh, nobody cuts me off. I mean, that. But do you see it? I mean, afterwards, I'm like, I'm so glad the guy didn't stop, uh, to be honest with you. But, um, but do you see, afterwards, I'm like, what's that about? I have no idea. I'm not, am I not getting enough sleep? Am I not? No. I'm that little boy. I'm that little boy. And he touched a wound. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a lot of people have touched the wound lately and that was the last straw. I'm, I'm coming, yeah, I don't know. But do you see it? That's our flesh. The scriptures talk about that as our flesh. It's the old man who is still alive. He, he, his fate is determined, but he's still living. And, and he's wounded and he's, you know, but, but the most dangerous person is, is a wounded person. And that's who we are. In our, in our wounds and in the messages that we, that we live by. Wounds are the messages we received. Wounds are the messages we received and believe as our life's anthem. We serve them as, as they're our little babies and we protect them at all cost. We cope by defaulting to what we're competent at. And so we work too much. And our culture loves people that work too much. The church, most of churches love people that work too much. We work too much. We excel too much. We study too much. We, we go to what we're competent at. And if we don't feel competent, and when we don't feel competent, because none of us work enough, and we all know it, and none of us then what do we start doing? We medicate by spending too much money, by eating too much, by drinking too much, by misusing sex too much, looking at pornography. We steal. We rob. We play incessantly. We travel incessantly. 
We work out incessantly. You see, we can't, we just, we don't stop living life. We keep living, but we cope. And what life becomes is what Chris calls our gorilla self most of the time. And I want you to know, as I look at those two pictures, it is hard for me to distinguish between my gorilla self and my real self. I feel like my real self is that gorilla self. And that's much of my life. So what does it look like when someone gets close to threatening you? When your wound is about to get touched, what does it look like for you? If you're married, your spouse has a gorilla self too. (laughs) And that's where the ugliness can come in. Because you are threatening each other's wounds. You're threatening each other's identities. What does it look like? For your gorilla, leaky self to come out. I really believe we underestimate the power of sin. We underestimate sin as being a complex network that drives us to do the devil's work. I don't think we take sin serious enough to... To really contemplate and do the hard work most of the time. I think probably one of the the biggest victories that uh, the evil one can have over us is for us to make a few solid and true observations about our wounds and our gorilla self and think we've arrived. Believe me, it'll just start manifesting more and more and more. I started thinking about that this week, and I started thinking about my best friend, and y'all don't know him, he he lives in Colorado, and I realized, it's like God just kind of ripped this thing, I realized the reason that we're best friends is because he does most of the talking. I don't have to talk. I don't have to show who I am. I don't have to risk being rejected. He does all the work. Now, we like to hunt together and all that stuff too, but at the end of the day, and yet, Maybe he'll listen to the sermon, but there are a lot of people, he drives a lot, most people, to be honest with you, crazy because he talks so much. But I love it because I don't have to talk. Let him talk. Why? Because I can hide over here as long as he's doing all the talking. Man, I just had that revelation at about 4.30 this morning. I messed up. (laughs) And then I started thinking, okay, what about my wife? Why do I love my wife so much? What does she do for me? And when we are fighting, what is she not feeding in me? Wow, man, the heart is deceitful above all things. It is radically sick. As you begin to think about that, hopefully you'll begin to understand why you need Jesus. Let's go to that. Let's get there quickly. (laughs) Lastly, Jesus is our transformation. He's not a counselor that helps us see ourselves so that we can heal ourselves. Jesus is our transformation as he meets our wounded self with healing and grace. See, we create these narratives. Here's the narrative that I created for myself throughout life. I'm beginning to really realize 
Here's the creative. Here's the narrative that I, I, I live by so much of the time that's in the deepest part of my soul. This is the message I hear. You are worth. Remember, my parents got divorced and all that. My dad moved away. I saw him every other weekend and a few weeks during the summer. So here's, here's the message that is ingrained in me. Richard Reeves, you are worth every other weekend and a couple of weeks in the summer. <laughs> wow. And don't mess that up. Be thankful for what you have. And don't ask for more. If you rock the boat, you might lose what you do have. It could get worse. In relationships that I'm close to people, I fear confrontation. It's like, it's, it's phobia. Like, I can't do, it's like, because what happens when there's tension? What happens when there's a fight? Somebody's leaving. Richard's getting rejected. Now, my dad never said that. I think he was a good dad in those ways. I think he worked his tail off to spend as much time with me as he possibly could and still have a profession. I'm not blaming him. I'm telling you the message that I interpreted, that I received, that I made my narrative. You see, the the purpose of it is not to bash somebody else. Even though I'm, there are things that have been done to us where they are at fault and they they should own up to their sin and all that, but that's not where the healing comes. The healing comes in seeing it, in forgiving it, and not allowing it to have the power over you. So how do we do that? Because we were made for radical love. We were made to hear, I will never leave nor forsake you. I love you so much that I give my life for you. That's what we're made to hear. That's the extent of the love that we were made to receive. So how do we get that so that we can begin to deal in a different way with our wounds? Listen to Isaiah 53. Who has believed what has, he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Jesus grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no majesty or form that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. Do you hear that? By his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, how have our wounds been healed through Christ? At the root of feeling like I deserve to be cast away, that I'm really just worth every other weekend and a couple of weeks during the summer. Jesus became that. He was despised. I just feel despised. He was despised. He was rejected. He was, he was hung naked on a cross for everyone to laugh at. 
and for everyone to curse. And even his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wasn't just feeling forsaken in that moment. He was being forsaken. He was experiencing the reality of everything I feel so that he might receive it completely, go to hell for me, and then come bursting out of the grave for me that I might have victory over it. That I might say, it doesn't matter what my past is. All these voices are just lies. The truth is, God knew me before the creation of the world. In Him, He predestined me, Richard Reeves, to be adopted as the Son of God. In love, He predestined me. And in space, time, and history, Jesus came on the scene. He was born a man to live under the law with Richard Reeves in sight. Because I am worth so much to him, that is what Christ has done for me. He has obeyed the law in my place. So now, yes, I'm a mess. I can admit it. But he is my righteousness. That's what we sang this morning. Do you believe it? That Jesus is your righteousness, that you are declared righteous in God's sight, that He loves you no more and no less than He loves His own Son, Jesus. That is that your narrative? You see, that's what the gospel has to become. It has to replace the false narratives of our lives. It has to come in. That's why we are to meditate on the Word of God. That's why we are to bring it in. That's why we are to, to, to eat it like, a, like pigs, like starving pigs. Because we are eating some narrative. And every other narrative outside of the gospel is a false narrative, if you're a believer in Jesus. So why do I do this? So that I might feel better about me? No, that I might feel better about me so that I can serve God and love you better. So that I don't have to live over here afraid to look in your eyes, afraid that you're going to condemn me, afraid that I'm going to be judged... So that I can be freed from that, so I can love you. Don't you see it? Isn't that beautiful? That's the power of the gospel. It's to free us for stop being so introspective, so that now we can be God, uh, have God in perspective and our neighbor in perspective. That's the beauty of the gospel. We were for, we were created for a love that only Jesus gives us, but He gives it to us. So how are you denying it by living up to some image that is built by what's been done to you or by messages that you have chosen to believe that you must live up to? And where is that coming from? Identify it. Take it to God and repent of it. Say, no, I'm not that boy getting yelled at. I'm not that. See, in my group, we, we talked through this. It seemed like a lot of people had that. Bondage, you know, I'm I'm just in bondage. You are free. Free in Christ. Free in Christ. Stop being in bondage. Stop being held back by fear. Stop being held back by self-doubt. Because of God's love. Three takeaways, and we're done. Repent of your unbelief that Jesus is enough, because He is enough. Repent that the Father, repent of not believing that the Father is enough and or that the Holy Spirit is enough. Second, meditate on what God says is true about His love and acceptance of you. Let that be your narrative. And third, walk in faith in what God says and believes about you daily. 
Start to live by the narrative. Start to define yourself by the narrative. And so if you're not a Christian here this morning, I ask you, wouldn't you want Jesus? Maybe you just heard it in a different way than you've ever heard it in your life. Wouldn't you want Jesus if that's truly what He does for you and who you are to Him? He is. Come to Him. Embrace Him. Believe on Him today. Don't let another second go by. Choose to come to Jesus this morning. Choose to accept His love for you. Choose the reality that you are broken, you are wounded, and you cannot move forward without Him. And yet with Him, there's freedom, there's life, there's love, there's hope. Christian, do you need to believe the same thing this morning? Do you need to move from your wounds and your gorilla self to your Christian self, which is your real self, then come to Jesus in your hearts. Cry out to Him for mercy. Say, I need you. Help me to see more and more and more. Take the mask off. Let's get down to work. And let's live a lifestyle of repentance and faith and the glorious love of God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, thank You so much. Lord Jesus, I thank You that You are worth it. I thank You, Father, that You are worth it. I thank You, Holy Spirit, that You are worth it. And I thank You that You count me worth it, having adopted me as Your Son. And I pray this morning that You would open the hearts of many in this place, if not all of us, God. Bring revival to the realities that You are the God for wounded men and women. That You are the Savior for the lost and the broken little children in this place this morning. Holy Spirit, would You blow through this place with power and might, bringing transformation and hope in Your power and Your love. Oh God, would You do something? Would You do something, oh God? Don't leave us as we are, mopping up the puddles and not getting to the roots of our leaks. Oh God, would we determine this morning not to live in the bondage of sin. And show us Your love, O God. May we hear the sweet footsteps of Jesus walking through this place. May we see His arms wide open. And may we fall into His embrace. That we might know that no matter what we see of ourselves, it it, it will kill our flesh, but it will not kill us in Christ. O God, would You do it? Would You do it now in Jesus' name? Amen. I just want to ask our elders and community group leaders and the wives to come forward. And as the music is played, as the offering is being taken, if you would just come forward if you want prayer. Come forward if you want just to offload the desires of your heart. Get out of your seat this morning and come forward if for for the first time you're accepting Jesus as your Savior. You're accepting this Jesus to come into your life. Uh, We are here for you. We're not here to play games. We're here to see God do transformational work. So don't stay in your seats if you feel compelled to get prayer, if you feel compelled to come forward and receive Jesus. You don't have to get out of your seat. Jesus is with you in your seat too. But sometimes there's just something healthy about saying, today I choose to serve Jesus. I choose His love for me. I choose forgiveness. Feel free at this time to come. 
as we're led in worship. Everything goes. 
come to him and let him do it. And so I pray this morning that that's exactly what we would do, that we would take seriously the reality of our sin, and yet we would take serious the reality of God's salvation for us in Christ, because he will bring transformation and he will bring healing as we come to him broken. So again, I'm going to ask that our elders and community group leaders just stay up here. And if you need prayer, please come, even after we dismiss, and treat this area up here as a sacred place. Um, do talking other, in other places, but come forward for prayer. Uh, come forward if you want to talk more about your relationship with Jesus. So grab the hand of the person next to you and receive the benediction. Be blessed by the one who will do exceeding abundantly beyond what we ask or can even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in this place and in us as his people, both now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a blessed day.
Thank you.